Good morning, everyone. And again, like our video said, happy Mother's Day to all of our moms, mother figures, people who act motherly, dog moms, cat moms, any type of mom out there. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. And we want to celebrate with you as this is a joyous day for some. But for others of you, this might be a tough day because this is the first Mother's Day without your mom, or you're not able to see your mom today due to social distancing guidelines, and you want to protect her safety, or you want to protect your own safety. Uh, but regardless of whether this is a joyous occasion, or whether this is an occasion that brings a little bit of grief, we want you to know that we're here with you, but also that God is with you, and that he's providing his peace and comfort during this time. And what a time that we are in, and it's what we're addressing in this sermon series called Social Distancing, where we have been journeying through the book of James. And last week, we kind of got an introduction to what the book of James is all about. And ironically enough, it's a book that's written to people who are in a relatively similar situation to the one that we are in right now, where it was a group of Jewish Christians that James was writing to who had been scattered from Jerusalem out to different cultures and having to worship in new ways, having to adjust to a new culture, and maybe asking themselves the question, did I make the right decision in putting my trust and putting my faith in Jesus Christ? And those are some similar things that we are going through right now as well as we are socially distant from one another. But the theme that I want to trace across this entire series is that we are to love God and love neighbor under the shadow of the cross right where we are at. Just because this coronavirus pandemic has caused our lives to turn radically upside down, it doesn't mean we stop loving God and loving neighbor, and we can still put our trust in Jesus Christ because the ch church building may be closed, but the church itself is still going strong. So be encouraged by that. And the basis for loving God and loving our neighbor is faith in Jesus because it's that faith that works within us that then helps us to persevere and to help us see the hope that is on the other side. And so we establish that faith. But the question, as we transition into this week, we're going to focus on the aspect of loving our neighbors. The question we have to ask ourselves is, is having faith enough? Is it enough to just believe in Jesus, believe his promises, and then not do anything with those promises? And this is what James has to say in James chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to James. And we're going to start in verse 17 of James chapter 2. And this is James' response to the question of, is faith enough? He says this, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. 
In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And it's interesting what James writes because in previous letters written to different churches by the Apostle Paul, he writes over and over again that it's, we are justified by faith alone. And a quick glance at what James says here in chapter 2, verses 17 through 26, is that it's not just about faith. And it might seem to contradict what's in Scripture. But if we take a little bit deeper look into what James is saying, you'll see that it actually aligns with and actually agrees with what Paul is saying. And the difference comes in how we look at the phrase faith alone, because there's a difference between faith that is alone and faith alone. Faith that is alone is something that any ordinary person can have. Anybody can say with their mouth, yep, there's a God, He exists, and then that's it, and not do anything about it. James says in his passage, he says, yeah, even the demons say, yep, we recognize that there's God, we're fighting against Him, but they shudder. They believe, but their actions don't speak about their, their so-called faith, and it's a, because it's a faith that is off by itself, not attached to works. But when we have faith that is alone, something that we in the church believe that we are justified by faith alone, it's the Holy Spirit that resides in us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ that then produces good works. Last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit produces perseverance through us in order to help us see hope on the other side. And in loving our neighbor, the Holy Spirit works within us to bring about good deeds, to bring about those actions. There should be fruit that comes out of faith. And the passages that he uses are all through the Old Testament. He uses Abraham and Rahab as two what seem contrasting images, because here you have Abraham, who's a patriarch of the faith, and God called him to leave his pagan worshiping lifestyle to go into a new land and to be the father of many nations. Now, Abraham didn't just say, yeah, I'll go, and then he didn't go. He said, I believe you, and then he went. And Rahab even though she was seen in the eyes of many as somebody who was unclean or unrighteous, when she put her faith in God, it was out of that faith that she hid the spies from evil that had come about. So you see that the deeds aren't necessarily in line with the faith, but it's faith that produces the good deeds, and it's all fueled by the Holy Spirit. And so one of the fruits that comes out of our faith is how we use our tongue. So we go from the general idea of faith and deeds, and we now go into a specific example of how that comes into play. And he talks about the tongue. And the tongue is really small and kind of squishy and a bit interesting, and it resides in your mouth. But it's so important, despite the fact that it's small, because it helps us produce words. And words are really important when we communicate, whether verbally or non-verbally. The tongue is important. However, even though it's small, it can get out of hand from time to time. This is what James says to the Jewish Christians who have been scattered. He says, 
in James chapter 3, verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And then he continues on, saying, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. No matter how hard we try in trying to speak positive words to people or speaking messages of hope, there is the reality that we all sin and fall short. We all stumble in many ways. And unfortunately, no matter how hard we try, our tongue can get the best of us. Now, considering that it is Mother's Day, I better tell an awesome story about how, my, how awesome my mom is and how she one time put my brother in line. See, when we were younger, my brother and I learned very quickly that if we got in trouble for something, it's better to be punished by dad than by mom. Because there's the old phrase that says, the bark should match the bike, or the bark should match the bite. And my dad had a really loud bark. He's very good at raising his voice and making himself sound angry. But when he actually tries to punish, it doesn't really amount to much. I'm just being honest. <laughs> now, my mom, on the other hand, she's got a really loud bark. And my brother, unfortunately, learned firsthand one time just how, how bad her bite can be. See, when my brother was a teenager, I remember him talking back to my mom and saying something that he shouldn't have said. He let his emotions get the best of him, and he just lashed out in retaliation at what my mom was saying. And I remember hearing my mom let out a noise that I hoped I would never hear in my entire life. And it went something along the lines of this. Oh! And her eyes got really wide, and she got this look on her face that was just scary as all else. Now, my mom is 5'2", or 5'3", somewhere around there. And what she did after my brother talked back to her is she reached up to my 6'4", 220-pound brother, grabbed his ear, pulled him down to her level, and she looked at him, and she kept repeating over and over again, do you want me to wash out your mouth with soap? Do you want me to wash out your mouth with soap? Do you want me to wash out your mouth with soap? And my brother the entire time is saying, no, no, no. And my mom is leading him to the bathroom, trying to illustrate a point that the tongue can get out of hand. We've all talked back to our parents from time to time, right? We're all guilty of it. But here's the thing, is that our tongues are hard to control. And they get us in trouble, mainly when our actions aren't backed up by the words that we say, or our words don't back up our actions in either of those ways. It's like we provide lip service to people, or we provide empty promises. And with the Jewish Christians that James was writing to, they were having an issue with regards to the adjustment to culture. In their worship gatherings, they were proclaiming, Jesus is Lord, and they were proclaiming all of the teachings that Jesus had to offer in the Old Testament had to offer, but then they weren't living it out towards their neighbor, and there was sort of this contradiction. Do you see it in life today? 
The people who they say things and then they don't back it up with their actions, they provide empty promises. There's a social distance that's right here, and by not backing up your words with your actions, the social distance maintains its same space. We want to get back here, but we maintain that space because we're not connecting. And it's easy to allow this virus to get in the way of connecting with people. Oh yeah, I've got a lot of time today. Let me, let me reach out to that friend who I haven't reached out to in a long time. And then a few days go by, and you still don't reach out. You were socially distant before, now you're still socially distant. And for the people that James was writing to, they maintained that social distance with the people whose culture they were entered into. They were saying all of these, th- all these wonderful things about who Jesus is and what he does, but their actions weren't lining up with their words, and it got them into trouble. And sometimes it can be, when it's taken to an extreme, our words and our tongues can get completely out of control. They can start spewing hatred. They can start spewing anger. And then all of a sudden our jealousy and our envy start to come out. And it leads to further and further social distancing. We're here right now, but when we speak hatred and disunity towards others, the distance gets further and further apart. And we get a more distorted image of who people actually are. And the problem is, is that in this time, we do a lot of our communication over electronic platforms like social media or Zoom or other things on the computer. Now, you might be thinking, okay, you're talking about social media. This is a message for teenagers, but we adults need to hear this too because we're just as bad at posting negative comments or sparking debate between two people in an unhealthy manner. I don't know if you notice this, but right now we've got one side that's saying we need to reopen the country because our economy's crashing, and another side that says we need to stay at home because there's a deadly virus out there. And because they're not fully seeing the other's perspective, you've got a bunch of this going on. You've got a bunch of anger and hatred being directed towards people. And it's distorting the image of who people really are. And because we're infected by sin, There's the old phrase that says, hurt people, hurt people. Now, there's also that phrase out there that says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me, but they hurt more than you think. So let me illustrate to you why this is the case. See, in the beginning when God created humans, it says in Genesis chapter 1 that he created us in his image. Now, We don't know God's image fully, but this is what we do know, that God is three in one and one in three. Now, don't ask me how that math works, because that's a question, honestly, that I'll have when I go to heaven. But for right now, just know that God is three in one and one in three. And the three are, let me illustrate this to you. You've got the Father... You got the Son, and you got the Holy Spirit. By the way, my drawings are not the best, but random thought. Has anybody ever like heard a sermon where the preacher gets up there and they're drawing something and they're like, 
Now, I was an art major in college, so this drawing's gonna be awesome. Yeah, no preacher ever. So I apologize if this is chicken scratch, but God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. And what we need to know about this three in one, one in three is that it is relational. So not only is God in relationship with us, but he is relational in and among himself because the Father's connected to the Son who's connected to the Holy Spirit who's connected back to the Father. And there's a lot of interconnectivity that's happening. And when God made us, He made us in his image. But he didn't make us all Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're not God. All we do is we bear his image through our bodies, our minds, and our souls. We are holistic people. We all have physical bodies that we function on a day-to-day basis. We all have minds that we process emotions, that we think about things and make decisions. And we all have souls. We all have feelings that we can't explain that are so deep down. And it seems that God always seems to connect at that deepest level. It's like with parents having kids. You know, the kid is not exactly like the parent. It's not a carbon copy of the parent, but the kid may resemble features of the parent, whether it's they've got the mom's eyes or dad's hair or something like that. So we, as people of God, bear his image. But the problem is, is that when sin comes in, it taints our image. And when our image is tainted, we then project that onto other people who are made in the image of God. And pretty soon, you have a whole bunch of hurt people hurting others and not doing anything to restore what God originally created in the beginning. And no matter how hard we ourselves try, because we are tainted, because we are stained with sin, we aren't able to pull ourselves out by ourselves to love our neighbor and to speak truth and to speak life to others. Which brings up this question. Is Jesus the answer? I'd like to think that he is. And it's all because of the shadow of the cross. It's all because that when Jesus died on the cross for you, he gave you eternal life. He spoke words of healing, words of forgiveness, words telling you, hey, you're messed up. You're a sinner. You do terrible things and you deserve death, but you want to know what? I love you. Your sins, all the bad that you've done, I've forgiven you. Come close to me. I have made your sins white as snow. And it's all because of what I, Jesus, did for you. And not only that, but he wants a relationship with you. He wants to speak truth and hope and love into your life to restore the image that was ours to have in the beginning but was tainted by sin. And when God is working in that through the Holy Spirit, when he's working in our core of our holistic being, we then are able to 
love our neighbors as ourselves. We then are able to see people for who they actually are. And we're then able to speak life, we're able to speak truth into their lives. And let me tell you, community of grace, God's working. And he's doing some incredible things through all sorts of ministries that are happening, even during this pandemic. There are words of life and truth and love being spoken in a number of different ways. I don't know if you know this, but on Facebook, every Monday through Friday, Hannah Collins, our communications and hospitality person, is someone who just sits for 30 minutes and prays with people. And people are offering up prayers and people are praying for each other. That's speaking life. That's speaking truth. That's seeing people as made in the image of God and in need of restoration that can only be restored by how the Holy Spirit works inside of you. So know that there's life being spoken through that. And also, this, this word of life, this scripture, is being read to our kids by our children's ministry director, Britta, every single time. And her daughter joins. It's the most adorable thing ever. And that message isn't meant only for kids. It's meant for all of us because these are the words of life. And sometimes even, the simpler the message is broken down, the easier it is to understand. And we grow in our faith because of that. And there are also people in our congregation who are reaching out to those who are lonely and who are isolated. And they're speaking truth and they're just providing a presence that is desperately needed. There's also people who are sending in videos of them saying the Apostles' Creed and saying the Lord's Prayer. And these are words that have power. These are the core of our beliefs. Like our creeds are what we believe. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying to God. And we're stating who He is and what He does. And also, all over social media, we see videos being shared. We see comments being posted about how, uh, of comments of thanks about, you know what? I saw that video, and I just want to say that brought me joy. That brought me laughter. And in all of these examples, this isn't these people doing it all themselves. This is the Holy Spirit stirred something up in them. They wanted to share their good deeds because it's what Jesus has been doing in their lives. So that way others can see the image of God in themselves and have the Holy Spirit grab a hold of them and then faith come out of that. Believe it today, we are people who are made in the image of God. And if our tongue is used to speak slander, to speak lies, to speak anger, we just are aiding the distortion of the image of God. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to get a hold of our tongue, to get a hold of our tongue, that's when we're able to speak life into others. That's when we're able to close down the social distance even though we're in this time. And it accompanies that faith that is your foundation. And we, all, we do this all right where we are at. Amen.